Hello, everyone. Uh, so, after some shuffling around of some episodes and uh, kind of looking at the calendar and realizing, this is a- a- the episode that I'm going to be using to commemorate one year of the Uncommon Commander podcast. So, first of all, I'd like to thank everyone who's listened so far, and to anyone who's new, uh, welcome to, to, to not my 50th or 60th or 100th episode, just simply one year. Uh, to commemorate that, I got my friends on this episode. I got my buddies Chris, Jacob, Derek, and Tommy. This is going to be a little bit of a chaotic episode, but I hope you all enjoy it as you listen to the experiences of people who've been playing Commander for 10 years. And with that, let's get the episode started. The gold rolling on the floor, in my memory, also, is the D&D uh, him catching a The natural right. 20. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. That's the most iconic memory in my house, I think. Pretty much, because like, I, I remember I, like, I danced into your kitchen and like collapsed on the floor laughing like so hard. Just being like, oh my god. I so the one, the very first thing that ever happened, walked up to a uh, oh, the, the, the veil IV, to the, the opening veil and then just gets stabbed by a fuck. goblin. Yeah, that was. I'm sad I missed that one. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Wait, when you were you were were you no, not there for? He showed up later. He showed up second session two. Either session two or showed up. You had the joy buzzer too. Yeah, and he was just like, was like, and then he died. He lasted one session. I'm like, I don't know if I like this guy. Would it be the first time your character died, like, first session? That happens. Ha! Tommy was one step away from your character, was gonna Der- try and, Der- like... Derek killed my, my guy at this very table. <laughs> we were playing, um, Waterdeep. Yeah. And, uh, we were in the series. We were in the series. He's like, as long as he doesn't dead. roll a crit fail. Crit fail, <laughs> you don't die, and you roll the crit fail. It was an intellect devourer. I think... This is season motherfucking two. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Commander podcast, uh, where my guests usually talk about our favorite uncommon legendary creatures. But today, uh, instead to commemorate uh, a full year of this podcast, uh, we managed to get my old uh, group together, the the people I've been playing Magic with for 11 years, I think now, at least. (laughs) Yeah, like... For me, at least, it's like been 2011. Um, we have some previous guests uh, from some of my early episodes, and we have some people who haven't been here before. And to kind of introduce everyone, uh, I got a question for the table that I won't be answering because I feel like I'm pretty sure I've talked about it several times. Um, in order, in, in clockwork order, clockwise order, um, what was everyone's introduction to magic, starting with Chris? Uh, okay, well... I think the first time I ever really saw a magic card would have been something like 7th edition. Yeah. Uh, at an age where I could not purchase magic cards because I am a child. But uh, <laughs> I had like friends, older brothers that would like give me stuff or play. I think um, someone had a portal, like a portal 2. It was like an intro deck. We used to play with that. Uh, I believe there's... Vizardrix is in one, oh, yeah. and yeah. Trained Org <laughs> is the other. It's like some cool 
seven mana six sixes, but yeah, like then took a big break all the way up until New Phyrexia Innistrad, and that's where I kind of got back into it. Yeah. Sweet. Thanks, Chris. And uh, next we got uh, Jacob here. Uh, yeah, my first time seeing magic cards was buying a random pack from a local shop. It was uh, Mercadian Masks. And I don't remember any of the other stuff in that pack, but the rare was Unnatural Hunger, which stuck with me forever. Um, I'd never actually played with any of those cards, but since after yeah, years later in uh, Rise of the Eldrazi, I got into it because of Chris and Tommy, who you hear from later, and uh, bought the uh, Sphinx of Magosi starter deck pack thing, and uh, yeah, started there. All right, and yeah, other other returning guest, Derek, uh, what was your start? Uh, my start was around original Mirrodin. I was in Scouts, and one of the other kids in my group had brought cards with him on an overnight trip, and he was teaching us in, like, massive air quotes, teaching us how to play, where we drew <laughs> two cards per turn and played all the lands in our hand. It was... <laughs> It was the Wild West, uh, so there were some some pretty obscene cards. That magic sounds amazing. Uh, I recommend you try it someday. Uh, but I didn't really get into any formal constructed magic until around when everybody else here did in sort of Innistrad, uh, End of Mirrodin, like Stars of Mirrodin block, early Innistrad. So yeah, 2011, I think. Yeah, around there. And finally, we have Tommy here. What, where did you start? I had a random friend named Mark in grade two. <laughs> there we go. And I remember I went over to his house at lunch one time, and he played this card called Horn Troll, and it had regenerate, and I'm like, this thing's stupid. You can never kill it. <laughs> and it was like a 1-4 for like three or something that regenerated for one green man. I don't even remember it too well. But it's that that's my best guess at what it did. Um and I remember buying a couple packs around then. I was like eight or something, nine or something, um, when I finally got some cards of my own. And I remember it was, I think, Legions, opened Avacyn, no, Acroma. Acroma, yeah. Bad with it, names. And, An angel name, whatever. And <laughs> back then, at that age, I just threw every card I owned into one deck for like a massive 100-card five-color monstrosity. And, and like... I think we finally discovered that I had a friend in high school in grade 12, Chris, who also had magic cards, and we played our stupid childhood decks against each other, and it was atrocious. <laughs> the, the hilarious story that comes out of this is we thought Vigilant meant you got infinite, infinite attack combat. steps, because your creature didn't tap when it attacked, so of course it can attack again. Um, so yeah... It it was it was a it was bad, but we loved it. Mistakes were made. <laughs> but yeah, so <clears throat> moving on uh, to the next question to kind of keep everything relatively controlled. Um, out of our experiences as uh, mostly commander players, what is our favorite Magic: The Gathering set overall? Um, I'd still say original Innistrad's my favorite, probably like even now to this day. I still love a lot of the recent ones, but uh, Chris, what do you got one in mind? I mean, I guess there's two sides here. There's 
I think my favorite set as far as cards go. I really love Champions of Kamigawa. I think it, I think there's a lot of cards that have held up at least for Commander, which is the format I play the most nowadays. Um, I like the the flavor of the set. It's it's pretty sweet. But that was like a bit before my time. I didn't live through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as far as like sets that I played through, you know, uh, draft and sealed. Um. I thought you were going to mention the worst one. Oh, okay. Okay, we can mention the worst <laughs> Let's one. Let's go over the worst one because that right. one is just um, so funny. <laughs> Abyssin Restored is an absolute monstrosity garbage set <laughs> to draft and play sealed with. It is terribly designed, and uh, our local GP Vancouver was Abyssin Restored sealed. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I would never play it otherwise, but I was forced to. And it was my first GP ever, so that stuck with me. Uh, for many years. Uh, but yeah, no. Favorite set? Yeah, it might be the new Kamigawa, honestly. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, it's... It's, it's pretty good. It's, a, it's very well designed. It's a blast to draft, honestly. Um, I kind of like sets that don't just, like, shoehorn you into certain colors. A lot of the guild sets do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can kind of play whatever you want in Kamigawa. There's... Like, different flavors, enchantments, artifacts, whatever, ninjutsu. But it's, like, very open. There's, like, many colors that have it. And you can kind of... Yeah, you can kind of just do whatever. It's 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 pretty sweet. They did a really good job, like, kind of bringing well, back... Well, was it was their redemption, right? Yeah, They're like, oh, like, we got a Kamigawa again. Let's I, like, I know the reasons no one liked Kamigawa back in the day was because they just killed the power level because Mirrodin was a gong show. But... <laughs> And, like, other stuff, like, I've heard people have trouble, like, reading names in Jap- because they're, like, based on Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, and some other stuff, but, like, no, I think the set's aged really well. I think Kamigawa's aged really well, at least for non-competitive formats. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was really nice to see them do justice, because I know it's, I think over the years, people have kind of, like, really wanted to come back, whereas mm-hmm. originally, they, like, a lot of people didn't like it. Like, I think it was one yeah. of the most requested sets for them to come back to. So, like, yeah, they, they did a good job there. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, what, what, what about you? Yeah, so, kind of, again, I don't... I never really played a whole lot of the constructed formats besides Commander and then Standard briefly for a couple of years. But, uh, so, for actual play, uh, Return to Ravnica really stuck with me as one of the first sets where you could... Like, it was the first time, really, I was working with dual lands and those kind of things where you can actually make a competent multicolored deck that doesn't involve a bunch of other things needing to make your mana base correct. And you could kind of... That was probably what started going into Commander and stuff, where you can... You're using a lot more different colors as opposed to just the one or the two if you don't have all the money to spend on the rest of it. Uh, on the other side, I'm a big fan of like the lore and the settings and stuff. And for that one, I think my favorite goes to uh, the Ixalan sets. Oh yeah, just cause you've got pirates, you've got vampire conquistadors, you've got Aztec dinosaur riding people, you've got the merfolk doing all their stuff too. And it was just such a cool lore base. And it's between that and uh, the Innistrad sets for their really dark eldritch. Horror well, like, type settings. You get you had Gothic horror with, and then the Eldrazi hit. And you were yeah, like, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Really Eldritch, brought yes. it all together with the uh, 
Eldrazi creating that beautiful Eldritch Horror HP Lovecraft style yeah, artwork and play. I think Ixalan had one of the strongest like written stories as well. Yeah. Oh, like, it was, it was yeah. really well done. Oh yeah, like, you you got right into it with yeah. every one of the characters. And, like, J- Jason Fresca. Yeah, like <laughs> beautiful. It it like all this there was no bad stories in that set. It kind of just like was great all the way through. Yeah. Like not yeah, you really get you really get drawn into the set more yeah. than just hey, look at this cool mechanic that this thing has. It, we had the pirate crews, like all the, yeah, all the crews had a personality. We had we had Malcolm and Breaches there. Mm. Uh, we had uh, Angrath, who I think was a fantastic contrast just because <laughs> of how absolutely fucking pissed off he was the entire time. He's like, I hate you, just hatred of everything around him. Fuck Great. you all! I'm leaving this plane now and. Yeah. Like, finding Azor on the plane, too, uh, was like, you're like, oh, we're bringing Ravnik into this. Guess what? Jace is perfect for this situation. Yeah. <laughs> and then they ruined it with Dominaria, which was awful, <sighs> in my opinion. Like, it you just, just leave it kind of by itself in the back. It just did a 180. But... <laughs> Jace went from, I'm, I'm alive, I'm happy to see you, to we're, we're gathering together. For for a plan against nickel balls, it's like get the fuck out of here. Um, Derek, what what's your favorite set overall? Uh, I think overall favorite set would have to be uh, the the block of the Return to Ravnica. That was as I was starting to get my feet under me in more constructed play. Uh, actually, like putting together a cohesive plan, Burning Tree emissary from Great Crash. Oh was my just, god, what a sweet card. It's, so much going on with that card. I love it. Uh, but for just like what sets brought things into magic, I actually really liked Kaladesh just because of the introduction of vehicles. Yeah. Where I could do something as absolutely ridiculous as animate the Gideon Planeswalker <laughs> and have him jump into a caravan and attack somebody <laughs> because I didn't want to risk it in combat, combat for weird sacrifice things and it just people didn't know how to respond <laughs> and i live for that reaction again i i hope one day that i can get back there just that moment of i'm sorry you're doing what now oh, can you explain <laughs> run that by me again yes by per magic rules a planeswalker jumped into a caravan to, to smack you in the face did a drive-by mm-hmm. tommy favorite magic set I think I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to say my favorite magic set was the first Commander decks. And, and I think it's because the first Commander decks, um, like, I, I've, I've built a Riku of the Two Reflections deck, I've built a Kali of the Vast deck, I've built a Mimeoplasm deck, and I've built... Uh, Zedru the Greatheart deck. But yeah. Gave. So the only one I haven't is built is Gave because my friends play it a lot. So like that that deck really expanded that set like made us from having like one commander deck to us having like four or five, five in our playgroup. Yeah, it was like, more like ten. It definitely it, it definitely did the most, I think, for um, us when it comes to commander. I would probably just agree with the other guys that like uh, the Return to Ravnica block and like the Innistrad block were um, my favorite competitive wise and having fun playing a game that way. So I have nothing really more to add from like a set perspective. No, I think I think the commander sets 
the the fact when wizards decided to get involved with commander i know a lot of people think it's uh a mistake because design especially in the last probably three or five years alone have been so focused on it um but like it had to start summer and i mean like Collie of the Vast, even still today, is still, like, considered a terror. You're like, because mm. if it gets out of control, and, like... And it's very easy to get it out of control. Yeah, there's just a lot of value creatures that can just get cast. That was the first set that had scavenging ears in it. <laughs> <laughs> Good old scavenging ears. He was in the game a, deck. <clears throat> yeah, it's a... Back when he was, like, $40 or something, I think. Well, not and now not only do they make they reprinted it like a couple times, they also printed Lion Sash. They're like, let's also put it in white and put it on an equipment creature. <laughs> what the heck? Why not? Strap it to someone else. Perfect. So yeah, yeah. I believe Flusterstorm is also in that Flusterstorm was also from that. Yeah. Set, yeah. Death. So yeah. so <laughs> there's some good cards that they printed that they've found their way into back in the day. Chaos Warp. Warp. Chaos Warp. Yeah, that's Chaos where it all stranglehold. That's where it all started. Um. Uh, also, also just from a base thing, like. Lightning Greaves and Soul Ring were in all decks at the yeah. time. Yes. And e- just adding those two cards up, I think it was like $15 out of the $30 back, deck. Back, back in the day, like <laughs> so. over a decade ago. when It's actually kind of funny because like, um, as, as someone who's interacted with a lot of people online, a lot of people have actually only recently started playing Magic with like within the last five years or even less. Yeah. And getting into Commander like was even, like, less, like, they didn't get into it right away, or maybe someone introduced it to them at the time, and, like, learning Commander after immediately learning Magic, the learning curve is absolutely off the charts, but, like, a lot of people didn't even know about this stuff that, some of the stuff we're going to be talking about later, but, like, you know, they didn't have to deal with some of the rules changes that we've had to deal (laughs) with ever since we started playing Commander. I think there's a few sets where there's kind of, like, a boom in the player base. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm I'm sure there was one after Arena was released. Probably, um, yeah. yeah and there was, actually, there was, like, a really big player boom during Return to Ravnica. It brought, like, a lot of people back into the game because the original Ravnica was such, like, a beloved set. I, I think from a lore standpoint, um, Theros and some of the mythology-based sets also attracted a different audience, mm-hmm. so... Like, so, yeah, I guess wherever you entered, that's, yeah, that's... Yeah. That, I'd say so. Um, okay, for the group, this is a pretty flexible question. Either for, I think the question is actually just should just be, what's your most memorable magic card? I guess amongst the group, and this was a pretty difficult question for some of us. Um, Chris was, <laughs> Chris, we were immediately were like, time stop, and what was? I th- I think Chris is like. Clones. Clones. Just like, the clone deck. He would, originally his playstyle was he would beat you with your own cards, so he would either reanimate them from the grave, or he would clone them, and there have actually been games where it stalled out because he couldn't beat you with his own hand, he had to wait for you to play <laughs> stuff for him to steal with if like I was a not in the control game, effect. If I was not in the game, he couldn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, it's, I guess that's how me and Cole became mortal enemies. <laughs> <laughs> We played completely opposite decks, where I would like feed off his deck because he would play big creature decks, and I just played steel creatures, kill creatures, clone creature decks. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess personally the one that came to mind first was Mindslaver. Yeah, Mindslaver, yeah. Mindslaver, Mindslaver effects. Um, 
I love taking control. Loop, looping, looping mind slaver. We're just like, stop, please. Yeah, I like taking control of people's turns. It was fun. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't really played that card much recently, but it's also a little difficult to do over spell table if we do get to play because then you're like, <laughs> I gotta take control. Yeah, of the turn. I, I, uh. I, yeah, I know the first time I played spell table, I, I had. <laughs> Emrakul in the deck, and I was yeah. trying to figure out how that was going to work was out. That, your pi- that was your pirate That was deck. the pirate yeah. deck, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to cast, whoa. Uh, <laughs> yeah. a, little, a little awkward, but yeah, definitely Mind Slaver. Um, Puppeteer Clique is a personal favorite of mine as well. Long, it was, long uh, time ago. I mean, I still... It's in, it's in a deck? I think I only have one copy. <laughs> Somewhere. Yeah, I... I haven't. I don't really take a part deck. I just have like twelve Ush, decks. Yeah, like concurrently. So you're catching. You're catching up. I got thirty eight right now. Ouch. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That there. Derek, Derek just holds. I don't. Up I don't know how finger. you do it because, <laughs> like, if I have one or two of a card, and I'm really looking for it. For the life of me, I can't figure out where it is. <laughs> I, uh, multiple copies, you don't have to worry about Yeah, it. well, like, you need more than a few copies sometimes. But that's how you find out what kind of decks I like. Like, I'm running out of blue-black lands. Uh, <laughs> they're, all yeah, in, they're all in decks. That, che- um, that checks out. Yeah, do so... Any, do any Demir signets hanging around? Those are, like... Super expensive for some reason. They're like oh, the expensive one. I had to crack open the secret lair one for this for the for, uh, <laughs> the newest deck I made. Oh so, my god! Okay. Yeah, yeah, like they were they were sealed, and I'm just like, no, we're gonna rip that bad boy open. We're gonna. I was gonna keep them anyway, so might as well just <laughs> might as well use them. Might as well use them. So, uh, yeah. What, what do we think is Jacob's like iconic card? Gave. <laughs> I was gonna say Cathar's Crusade. Uh, so get- it's anything to do with tokens. That is the playstyle. He loves making creatures. So. Yeah. Either, either. Uh, yeah, that's what I would say. Parallel it's probably lives. between yeah, parallel lives, yeah. Earthcraft, yeah. Earthcraft <laughs> with Gabe and all. For those somebody things. who isn't a dedicated combo player, you play a lot of combo <laughs> cards. Well, like, I like to see it go off partially, but they just don't go. They just don't a spectacular <laughs> ending as opposed to and I combo out and win. I want to see that massive battle of hundreds of tokens oh, versus one giant thing. Colonial Hydra, vice versa. Yeah, <laughs> any yeah, of those oh, ones, yeah. some combination of adding counters, doubling counters, using counters to do other things, or. Yeah, with Gabe especially, turning counters into creatures or having those creatures enter with more counters and this, that, and the other, with things like Cathar's Crusade. And... But yeah, it's, yeah, I think most of my decks, if not all of them, have some sort of sub-strategy of putting counters on something or making a token from something. Blade of the Blood Chief. Well, like, <laughs> <I do. laughs> yeah, actually, now that you think about it, yeah. I think that was actually in our casual days when he had the vampire deck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Still, yeah, the original vampire deck. Yeah. <laughs> um, vampire Nocturnus. Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, Vampire Nocturnus. Every copy and every version that's still in the binder. Yeah, right there. <laughs> I gotta let one of them out, but... Uh... <laughs> there, there we go. <laughs> All the arts. <laughs> um, yeah, Der- Derek's a bit of an odd one. Yeah, it's... I have had, uh, we'll say, deck commitment issues, where I tend not to bring the same commander deck to more than a few nights out. So there's not really a lot of strategies (laughs) that 
are me. Yeah, I, 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 tend, to, I, tend, I tend to. I tend to same thing twice. Yeah, yeah. You can't wear the same outfit more than once. No. Uh, I tend to build higher powered, but not really refined. Decks. Super optimized. Yeah. Uh, so something to things... push the table in a direction of like, let's get this game moving. And the one thing I could say about Derek's playstyle is that sometimes the deck has a super cool combo you've never seen before in it. But once you know what the combo is, you can look for it and stop it. Yeah. So, <laughs> that, which might add to why you never bring the same deck twice. It's like, gotta oh, change, they figured gotta out what to do. Gotta get a new one. Yeah. <laughs> like, the cards I associate with Derek are more so actually, I think, constructed cards. Like whatever's, uh, whatever's that, in standard at the moment? Well, or? so, because you would only bring commander decks and play them like once or twice... Whereas, like, standard, maybe he plays a deck for, you know, a couple months, and you see it, like, eight, nine times. So, like, if I had to think of constructed cards. I remember he made a Possibility Storm deck. That Thank you. Really that hilarious. is that. I could not remember the name of the card. <laughs> yeah, Possibility Storm combo oh deck. My, oh, yeah. my God. He would, he would lock you out by making it so that you could only cast one no, spell yeah. a turn. Is it yeah, it was, it was the two-card combo of Possibility Storm with an already resolved Curse of Exhaustion. So the opponent would cast a spell, possibility storm would exile it, but then curse and then exhaustion. So you, could, exhaustion so it, from, so you could cast yeah. any spells. You you could cast it and then watch it disappear. Yes. So <laughs> which that deck was quite enjoyable because sometimes the like board itself that was already on the field would just be too much anyways. So it, planeswalkers could still sometimes. Yeah, that's over. definitely how I beat him a few times was having a resolve planeswalker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a, a very fun deck, and if you weren't like aware that it was around, people didn't really know how to deal with it. It was very, very out there. Just, uh, a lot of your decks kind of are so. So kind of a non-answer, but but, but it's whatever that, was like I think relevant. That in itself is kind of the thing. Is your playstyle is very much adaptability and changing to create something new or that and not ever being stuck down to one thing. Yeah, I like I like being the problem deck as opposed to the solution deck. <laughs> I think Chris's decks tend to be a lot more answer and solution focused. My decks tend to be a lot more look at this problem I made. <laughs> I I always make problems. I, I, I'm a fan of interaction. I find interaction is a lot more fun than just kind of doing your own thing. It does tend to make people a little more angry, but <laughs> that's something you have to deal with. True. Um, Tommy, um, your iconic spell is Time Stretch. <laughs> that's in one deck. That is, you I, also I, find you the it deck and cast it every time. I and feel like Insurrection is more Tommy. Yes, yeah, I would say Insurrection, yeah. Tommy likes the big... The big that or the, admoni- the big... admonition angel, some big massive threat that you. Can't what what do. I think all of you are incorrect. Riku. Respectfully, Tommy's iconic card is Stratoscythe. Oh, <laughs> actually, that is that's fact. So that, actually, that you're, you're correct. You're correct. Actually. That was the goblin Stratoscythe. The goblin Stratoscythe. <laughs> and then he's like, also just bland that in these decks because who cares? All right. So. Best fun you'll ever have in competitive play is, is red deck wins, goblins, and you would have like goblin arsonist, and you would sacrifice it with goblin grenade, and then after it dies and deals five, six damage to their face, you would also brimstone volley their face for another five. 
It only costed four mana that combo. It took more than half someone's health. It was it was hilarious. <laughs> and then against really heavy control decks, you could sometimes cheese them with Stratoset. Because for every land you have, it makes your goblins that much stronger. So any little weak, pathetic goblin you played suddenly was a threat. And they're like, I need a kill spell for that. I've seen people board wipe one goblin <laughs> with a status sign attached to it. Too many times to count. The killer option. Just get get them. But the, the funny thing is, if we're talking more so about Commander, my favorite card is by far... Parallax Wave. Ah, yeah, uh, yeah that, that was the other one. Because it costs two colorless and two white. It has five fading counters on an enchantment. I hate this card so much. <laughs> and you can remove a counter... It's the bane of my existence. To, <laughs> to exile a creature in play. This can be used to remove cards of your opponents. You can do this at instant speed. You can respond to removal and exile... Of your own stuff because when all of the fading counters are removed at your upkeep the card kills itself and all of these cards come back into play so it's I also it. great just with enter the battlefield it triggers it's very versatile it's very versatile and i hate it <laughs> yeah i should probably you'd think at this point i would have had a copy i don't have one you, you, you can also set it <laughs> as up. a matter of principle you don't it's, have it just one. i just don't yeah exactly i'm like why would i subject other people to this <laughs> because it sticks around for several turns you can also set it up before you play your big bombs and yeah. you'll have like instant speed ways to kind of like protect your bombs for later just so versatile um this one should be relatively easy or if anyone can remember it uh first commander deck mine was Audric, master tactician aka captain no blocks that deck sucked <laughs> Chris, first commander deck. What can, you, can you remember? It like had to be Zur, right? It's, I feel like I don't think. Can anyone think of a deck that I built before Zur? No, it was mm, Zur. Anyway. It was it was, it was it, a haze before that. Yeah, so it was Zur the Enchanter, but it wasn't like a like a Voltron deck. It was a control deck. It was a Zur control deck. It was an Oblivion Ring theme deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mostly. Yeah, yeah. It it just played like all the three mana enchantment removal spells basically. Um... There was the one that could kill artifacts and enchantments. Uh, Active authority. Active authority. Oh yeah. It'd give it to someone, and there was shenanigans all over the table because Commander uh, back in 2012 was weird. 2012, Thinking about my first commander, there's a few other cards that I like are near and dear to my heart now that I'm thinking about that deck. Uh, <laughs> Proteus well, staff. Uh, well, okay, Love yeah. Proteus staff. Yeah. That deck played a lot of like any creatures that played. They were all and, um, ETB stuff. It was uh, Vidalcan Shack Vidalcan Shackles. No, actually, Vidalcan Shackles wasn't in that deck. Well, um, you couldn't tutor for it, but I, I just think that was another card. Who like Shackles? Oh, the, the Shackles are fantastic. <laughs> Love the Shackles. No, yeah. What else is? Yeah, definitely Zer. That Zer was yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it was a hundred percent. That's the one I can think Probably, of. Yeah. yeah, mine. If you haven't figured it out already by every other question so far it was gabe i remember right before that commander set got announced oh, i was gabe spores. yeah i was trying to figure out how to get a commander going and like 
I wanted I wanted something to do with the counters and tokens, and I couldn't quite find something that worked. And then they announced that when it showed, and it's like, oh, this thing just does all of that that you're looking for. And here's a deck that's already built around it. Have fun. <laughs> Gotta love it, Derek. Do you remember? Uh, I know which one I rolled up to, uh, <laughs> rolled up to that first day with. And that was Grizzlebrand. Oh, because, yeah! Because I didn't, one, didn't know that there was a banned list. I don't think we did and until it was, after that. I, it was, like, this Grizzlebrand deck was not the reason that Grizzlebrand is banned. This was just a legendary just black creature that I happened to own. <laughs> plus cards. We were we were quite innocent when it came to Commander. I think except for Chris. <laughs> I, I remember I, that. You didn't you let showed, me play it. You showed up because I was like, oh shit, Grizzlebrand's banned. And you're like, what? There's a ban list? I'm like, yes. Uh, Check this out. Fuck. <laughs> I think I must have swapped it out for, for some other random black legendary creature, like an Obnixilis or something. Or... I think this we let you Nephilim. play it for a round. Yeah, original Obnixilis or something? Maybe. <laughs> Did you even get the eight mana to cast it? Unlikely. Probably not. not Actually, no. Early days, probably did. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. You, we had 12 turns to get a... Oh, true. Yeah, yeah true enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tommy. Um, I think it was send triplets, and pretty much all I would do is play board wipes, cast send triplets on turn five to steal other people's cards for card advantage, and then hope to get really big six-drop bombs for the rest <laughs> of my deck. I kid you not, it had like... 30 plus six drops or higher. So at some point, you were just of. drawing bombs. Unheard of in today's. Unheard land of by bomb, today's. Land speed. bomb. That was, a, we were a, that was a much slower format back then. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I would be able to get away with this often just because Chris played so much single target removal. And I would play so much board wipes <laughs> that like the game would last long enough to hit the six drop. If there's on. nothing on the board, nobody can take well, any we, damage. We used to One play. Usually, eventually, it just took us four hours until five a.m. and then we had to stumble our way home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We're like oh the. Is that is Birds that the crack, time the, to go? The crack of dawn I see in the distance. I think it's time for us to head home. <laughs> Things have improved much since then. So I don't know. I still miss the grind fests. But... <laughs> oh. A little bit. Just end the game. Um, next question. Uh, favorite EDH deck. Favorite EDH deck built of all time, past or one you might even currently have. Uh, mine was my Yasova Dragonclaw deck. Uh, that was just super fun, just stealing and sacking people's stuff. It was just straight value. Sacking, um, Bur not Burnished Heart, um, the Tree Folk. Seed Guy Dash? Seed Guy Dash. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. That was, I'm like, I'll do that for myself. And then I'll, in a turn of events, I'll steal Chris's creature. <laughs> that, like, was basically useless, but I'll use it somehow. Fuck you, Chris. <laughs> They're all like one twos and stuff, man. Yeah, I know. You play better creatures. <laughs> they do effects. They, they play better. <laughs> They're, They're just things, guys. They're just weak and pathetic. They don't attack. Yeah. None of my creatures attack. That's, <laughs> it's not what um, it's crazy. Chris, what was your? What do you think was like your favorite deck of my all? My favorite time? deck. I can tell you which deck I probably played the most of. So I think that's probably my favorite. Uh, it's probably Mean and Den. Ooh, yeah, that Mean yeah, and Den. Mean and Den just 
spell spell slinger pure pure, pure ramp into just trying to copy burn spells enough to just kill people with like a backup plan of uh Valakut. Valakut's a good backup. Valakut the Moon Pinnacle is a good one. And then yeah, that there's that's one of the few decks I play where I actually will play like really, really, really big things. Like, and <laughs> like, actually, yes, I will play creatures yeah, that are we good. Two power without creatures. cheating them into play. Yeah, like, you, like you they do cast, attack. Hard cast, yeah. Like, like cheaty face. Like cheaty face, yeah. Uh, no, I think they had that deck also played stuff like tooth and nail. So yeah, that, yeah, that was tooth few, and nail. They yeah. had a few ways to kill. You get like, 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 like so Colossus and. Yeah. Um, Xenagos. 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 Uh, did you do Crater Huff? I actually don't own a Crater Huff. I've never owned a Crater Huff Behemoth. It is not his style. True. Yeah. No, so he was. <laughs> he's expensive now. Yeah, he's and still, pretty, he's and still like, pretty expensive. And like, there's other cards at his price point that I would rather buy. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, Jacob. I'd say, yeah, my favorite deck that I've built is Alicia, as, or Alesha. The first one that I actually built that wasn't a pre-con. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just everything from scratch, pretty much. Yeah, so yeah, it was the first time trying to do it from that side, and uh, definitely still one of my favorite decks where everything is under two power, and especially now with the uh, like the artifacts on one side and the two-powered creature on the other, or a, a sorcery on one side, two-powered creature on the other, just the being able to cast that stuff and have it come back, and uh, yeah, with the Master of Cruelties in there to kind of finish it when I need to. But uh, yeah, I'd say that's one of my favorites and one of the most fun for me to play. Uh, Derek, can you think of a particular deck? <laughs> the, the one that comes to mind from the question was my Shu Yun, the Silent Tempest. <laughs> uh, like, goes off, kills one person, and then just flatlines. Well, yeah. that's, that is... That was a fun deck to gotta, play. Gotta love uh, Voltron, and, like, I would definitely say, like, although Voltron is definitely not as powerful as it used to be, um, it's, if anything, it's gotten more resilient. I think if you had remade the Shu Yun deck with, like, more modern cards within, like, the last five years, it'd be fucking nutty. <laughs> Bring up a name of someone who's not here, but was in our playgroup a while, Brian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, um, we we can talk. I, some of the decks that you play and some of the decks that Brian play, I, I kind of always mix up. Uh, that's true. Why was I, I don't know? So I'm trying. Like, so there's decks. I'm like, I remember this deck, and for the life of me, I can't remember if it was Brian who played it or you. Which deck? Sadisi. Uh, oh, that was that was Brian. Brian. Is that Brian that was with Brian. um? Was it the three? Tassel- color? It was Sadisi. In the, in, three. Did you play Tassiger maybe then? Oh, that yeah. was also Brian. That, that was, was also Brian. Brian. Okay, yeah. it's always Brian. Yeah, apparently yeah, it's always he, Brian. He liked his Sultai decks. Yeah, Sultai value you, you, was never. You definitely my style. played a Razakath deck that I liked though. That was. Oh, that was me. <laughs> was that cool? Wait, wow, that's really. You bad. don't remember any of his decks. I know what you're thinking of. You're thinking of my Endrixar combo deck. Yes, yeah. that is what I'm thinking uh, of. There was a mono black deck that was a combo deck, and I could Yeah, it was mono black sacrifice storm. Sure. And I had like a thirty minute turn, and yes, I didn't. Win. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel oh, that was fun. I feel bad about that still. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. It's there's a few decks, and I, I guess the, just a tribute to you that are other people's decks, which is why I brought up Brian because I'm like, it, it was it, either fifty fifty. Yeah, it's fifty fifty whether it's a Brian deck or a Derek deck. Because you were, you two were the only ones that like, really played like his was Maelstrom Wanderer combo. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Very actual win-the-game yeah. combos with, like, a bit of consistency. 
I still don't play combos to this day. <laughs> Not really. I probably should. Probably should throw in one just so people just don't die. Have something in there. Well, no, like I, 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 it depends on the deck, but it's just like sometimes I'm just like, nah, I'm gonna smash it in the face. But what if you can't? Well, shit, I burn you out. What if you can't? I lose the game. Just <laughs> play lands and twirl my thumbs. But yeah, <laughs> Tommy, what, what do you consider your most favorite commander deck of all time? That's a, that's a really hard question. I think as someone previously mentioned that um, Time Stretch is a card they associate with me, it is literally because of one deck, Riku. If Riku <laughs> oh, copies Riku. Time Stretch, you get four extra turns. I have cast Time Stretch with no hand, with nothing but a Riku in play, and won games. Yes. Because you draw four cards over those four turns, and some of them are going to help you win. It's, um... We've killed Riku and it cost 25 mana. Yeah, I have, you're still, I have cast you're still Riku like, for 25 mana. Not done yet. Because he, <laughs> he, he is never not value town because he can copy instants, sorceries, and creatures. Um, Riku has won games before by copying, um... Copying Magmatic Force. Yes, the Mag Force 9. Um, with Parallel Lives in play, you get three Mag Forces. They do nine damage at every upkeep. But the stupid thing is if you copy Rite of Replication. That gets you suddenly ten... Yeah. <laughs> so Let's count them up here. <laughs> if you have Parallel Lives in play, it gets you twenty. So now you're doing sixty-nine damage or something at the beginning of each player's upkeep. Nice. Yeah, nice. <laughs> it's, it's it's like Mag Force sixty nine. We the Mag Force sixty nine is real. <laughs> um, That's so good. So it's it's bad, um, and it's also just a brain dead deck to like build. What's a ca- creature that you would like two of? What's or, a spell or, you would or, like or two? More, of? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's <laughs> like it, it's it's so fun and. I don't really like red as a color in, in Commander. I don't usually like building red decks, and if it is, it's just a splash. Riku is one of is the first red deck I ever wanted to build, and I, it has still stayed one of my favorites all this time. I don't think you've really changed it the last few years either. Did you have, like, I, maybe you swap a thing or two out? I think the last thing I might have put in was Teamer Ascendancy. You, you, uh, how wow. how yeah. long wow. ago I have <laughs> Over changed that five deck. or six years ago. Now. That's Tarkir? Yeah. That was, that was, oh, like, like it was first Tarkir. Is that more than five years ago? I think it was 2014 or something. <laughs> I, I'm thinking, uh, maybe. Yeah, that's... <clears throat> um, okay, so this, this one, um, this one is a... A few different questions kind of stuck up into one because we've been playing Commander for so long, the same way we've been playing Magic for like more than a decade. Um, First question is, how have the Mulligan rules changed, and and like where we're at now? Are they better? Because we originally were playing with Partial Paris, which was a freaking nightmare because you're like, oh, I snap keep like soul ring or whatever. The partial Paris is what allowed Tommy to run a deck (laughs) that had 36 drops (laughs) because every opening hand you sent the six drops away and you got some mana back. (laughs) I would keep six land hands all day. (laughs) True. You you would 
like <laughs> that that deck was white shake. blue black with no mana ramp no rocks <laughs> it only relied on land so it was the slowest thing in existence back then <laughs> we have treasures and all these things that can accelerate you now it would have been better but yeah you just had to rely on the partial paris to get you there because <laughs> uh, we're in the london rules now i think uh yes i think it's called the london mulligan now I think Chris and I were talking earlier. I think both of us are of the opinion that the Vancouver Mulligan was a bit more skill intensive. I, I preferred it. I thought like it really put you to the test on keeping hands more than I don't. I'm not saying it's like how did the Vancouver? I can't remember now. It's been a while. It's uh when you kept if you Mulligan you had to scry. Once. Oh right 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 yeah yeah. But, yeah. It, so it like basically what was the one before Vancouver called? Uh oh geez. like the one where you just didn't you just went straight you from seven to six to five to four. Was it, I was looking these up earlier. Yeah, anyway, yeah, it's the Vancouver's just like a bit better than that one. But yeah, like I thought it was fair enough that it really put you to the test. Like, it's harsher than the rules nowadays. But yeah, like I think I I preferred it just because I thought like it was it was way harder for you as a player to decide what was a proper keep and what wasn't. The margins are a lot thinner. It could be pretty. And you could and you could yeah. definitely make mistakes and just lose yourself games just off of like incorrect keeps, like preying on that scry to like get you there. Yeah. I yeah. I think this is indicative of Chris and I likely being the more competitive, competitive slanted yeah. Yeah. people <laughs> of the playgroup, whereas the partial Paris and current London Mulligan I think is the preferred of. Well, the thing is, the thing is, a lot of people, depending on, like, if you're in a curated pot or not, people are like, please, just mulligan until you have, like, a capable seven. Otherwise, like, we all know it's going to be miserable. Because, yeah. like, we've all, we've all, <laughs> me especially, I've kept trash hands because I thought I could get there, right? But. Yeah. Well, Commander's, like, a different format, too. Yeah. This is, like, more so for, like, Constructed, where you're just, like. Yeah. You're there, you're there to win. You're, like, if your point is fun, that's a bonus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bonus for them. You don't care either way. I, exactly. Yeah. So, like, if I make him as miserable as possible, then that's just, that's just what he signed up for. Even if you lose, that's a win in your book. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I'm there to take him to turns all day, every day. Um, uh, Jacob, Tommy, do you have anything to add? Or do you think we're the mulligan we're working with now? Regardless of, like, inner, like curated pod rules like the mulligan of being able to like put stuff at the bottom and pick, like pick your best x out of seven i think this is tommy i love the partial paris um, <laughs> my, my my greedy high cost bomb decks um really benefited yeah. from being able to chuck everything that wasn't the land and you getting just a sick amount of lands um in your opening hand um but I will say that our playgroup also makes it a bit hard because we are just very forgiving with uh, land like car, like hands. If you have a one lander, they will let you mulligan for free quite often. They'll just be like, "Yeah, don't. We're not gonna force you to sit through like a two-hour DMCA uh, <laughs> commander game with and not be yeah. able to play anything." The, the ringtone that ruins the podcast. Yeah, boom! Yeah. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I. I completely forgot the partial Paris existed. Yeah, I know, memory. right? Like, <laughs> Apparently, like uh, no, but think about it. Like that was the partial Paris was something that was used for Commander a lot. Like 
probably within the first two or three years that we played, mm-hmm. and then it was phased out because they're like, we're going to use current mulligan rules. Well, yeah, because there were too many people that abu- well, like could try to abuse Com- Commander the- started out as like a pretty casual format, yeah. so as it shifted towards more competitive, like the partial Paris was just abused for like oh, yeah. finding okay. combos. Well, yeah. and like, for instance, for yours there, you can get rid of the things that you don't need until later, and you can keep your vampiric tutors and this, that, and the other so that you can find that thing when you actually have the mana for it. Yeah, I think it was more so when Wizards started supporting it as a format. Before yeah. it was just like a fun thing that people used to play, but as soon as they started supporting it and hosting tournaments at yeah. GPs and whatever, that's kind of when we decided that we should probably use the correct yeah. <laughs> correct mulligan rules more so, because, mm-hmm. I don't know, if you go to some sanctioned event and you start trying to pull the Paris mulligan, <laughs> people aren't going to be too happy about that. <laughs> yeah, understandably. <laughs> um... Moving on, I didn't add this originally to the questions, but we did mention surprise it. question. The the tuck rules for commanders, which I can't remember, it changed. I think it was around 2014, 2015. Uh, people's thoughts on the tuck rule leaving. It's very, trash. Very sad. Yeah. Uh, absolutely love the tuck rule. Yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah, it gave an answer like we were talking before. It gives an answer to decks that rely completely on having their commander because you can just like, yeah, no, that's going into your deck. Just. Deal with it. Deal with playing without it for a little bit. My argument here is that the tuck rule was bad for the health of Commander because if the point is to build around a, a commander, card, a legendary creature, you can do that to very differing levels. But if you do it too much and your Commander got tucked back in the day, you had no win condition, and you were just kind of stuck until somehow you drew it at random. Yeah. Um, who knows how many turns that would be. Um, but there is one specific commander that I'll use an exception for. Derevi back in the day. <laughs> you could not get rid of him without the tuck rule. <laughs> you just kept Dur- coming Durevi back. just he, did, did you not You could did flash not him in for four mana at any point in the game, no matter how many times you kill that monster off. He deserves the tuck rule to this day. And this is coming from and the guy s- who played him. <laughs> some some playgroups had him banned. Because he was that annoying. Brian played him. Oh, yeah, he did play him. Yeah. I'm mixing decks up, too. So (laughs) I I would say that the tuck rule, like, is terrible and it's bad for the health of the game, and I'm glad it's gone. But I will say say there are a couple commanders, and we might be able to talk about the legendary, like, gods being indestructible or pretty much impossible to remove, especially for some colors. It it depends. The the tuck rule would be kind of nice for... The rare, ex- like, instances of commanders, but in general, it was bad for the health of the game. Okay. Well, okay, so... One of the reasons I like the tuck rule, which is kind of mean, was that a lot of people... <laughs> wow, really? Oh, a lot of shocking. people would bring different sleeves for their commander. Yes. If you tuck them, they would have to swap sleeves <laughs> into their normal sleeve, and sometimes they wouldn't have it, and I would just... Chris, I hate you so much. <laughs> I would break them for it. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think a lot of the answers for commanders came out actually like after the tuck rule. Like, yeah. like stuff like uh, Imprison of the Moon. Yeah. The one that turns into a forest. Uh, like, uh, Lig- Lignify, Imprison of the Moon. Dark uh, Steel. Yeah, Dark Steel Mutation. Dark Steel Mutation. Mutation. I think a lot of stuff came out uh, after. Song of the Dryads. Yeah, I think it all came out either like Drake, right near the end of the tuck rule or right after. So like, other And that, that might have been the reason for removing it. Yeah. Okay, now you have another way of getting Yeah, which is fine. Like, I, I think those are nice ways of removing commanders. They're like a little... <laughs> 
more forgiving because you can. They're still there. You just have to remove the enchantment or whatever. And you have not to, if, and if you can't, and you just have even, to stare at it on the yes, black. No. Black has been getting a few more tools, luckily, that can interact with them. So like the black's been getting good about it. Uh, red's still iffy. Um, we're getting like we have chaos warp, obviously, uh, but we're also getting um, a new. We're getting one that doesn't chaos. hit enchantments. It's it's a wild magic surge uh in the in the new set that allows you to target a permanent and have the the owner flip until they hit the same type of card that was put back in the deck so depends if you like to risk it for the business. so you know you can swap out an enchantment for someone else's enchantment and there are some <laughs> games you will lose off of omniscience yep so you know get rid of yeah you can accidentally flip into someone as omniscience yeah. and be like oh shit um <laughs> So yeah, tuck tuck rules. Uh, I'm just I'm glad I've been glad it's it's been gone for like years because it commander is the the format where you play a literary creature of whatever you want in the command zone if you don't have access to it. Back in the day, every one of our decks had multiple ways to tuck. Was how like yep. brutal and effective it was. Yeah. At slowing down someone who got That's it. why the game has went on for so long. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'm, I, one of 30. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I am still partially jaded at how stupid Drevi was. <laughs> like, I, that might be part of the reason why I like Tuck, because it, you just, like, couldn't get rid of that dude. It, in some playgroups, he is banned. Yeah. Like, it's a house rule. Well, he wasn't in ours. We don't ban no. too much in our playgroup. We have banned uh, Magister Sphinx. Um, I think you can unban him. I think he's fine. I play. I, play I, I would make an argument that that had to do with the legend rule, which I think we're talking about next. So. Well, yeah, it was the well. It was because and coinciding into Chris playing a bunch of clone decks, <laughs> uh, the legend rules being changed uh, that allows us to all of us to comfortably have and be able to play the same legendary creature as our commander, rather than uh, oh no, you and I are both playing Derevi. Well, who are, we will. Yeah. Why don't you explain what the old legendary rule was? I think so. Back in the day, which really was not that long ago, um, whenever a opponent, whether it was a planeswalker or a creature, uh, played a card that was the same card, or in the planeswalker's case, have the same subtype, so Jace, Chandra, Liliana, etc. Um, the a state based action would occur that it just made both of those permanents explode. <laughs> And then neither a player had them. Um, so when you think about Commander, and everyone's like, well, I want to play, I want to make a super cool Riku of two reflections. And it's like, well, unfortunately, you have to counterplay the other Riku players so you can get your Riku out comfortably and then do your thing. And uh, that was absolutely freaking horrendous. <laughs> I can't believe we used to play with those rules. <laughs> the rules update of, of us being... Al- I think it was in Origins, I think, that they updated the rules. Or was it 2016, maybe? Well, but, I was was before early, that. I was early in that. 2014, yeah. maybe? I, well, know, I know that people were packing in Constructed Magic, Phantasmal <laughs> Image, as sideboard tech against cards like Thrun the Last Troll and like Geist of St. Traft. Because you couldn't remove hexproof creatures that were legendary and so resilient without your thrun blades in the sideboard. Uh, I mainboarded. No sideboard there. Mainboard all the that, time. That card was in a lot of decks in our like in at the store we played in. And I actually I really like the I think clone legend rule, honestly. I don't didn't quite like the rule that existed before it. 
which was that if you played a legendary creature, it just blocked people from playing the same card, I believe. Isn't you that... could also only have one legend in your deck. Something like that. Or in play, been... maybe. It was yeah, like, if someone had the... If someone had... Deck? Oh, that's weird. Yeah, it's like <laughs> so if someone had, like, Jace whatever out, you couldn't play your own Jace. It, like, blocked you from playing Jace, I believe. Wasn't that the legend rule before? <laughs> Pretty much. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on that. Magic. My current <laughs> rules knowledge is a lot better than my yeah. so rules knowledge. I, I do believe that is true, because at one point in time, there was a set or like competitive format that was so bad it was just rebels and the first person to get out the legendary rebel won because it blocked the <laughs> yeah. other player from playing their legendary rebel mm -hmm. and all other decks were like not competitive enough to beat rebels at the time <laughs> yeah i mean that that's back when my rules knowledge was also a lot shadier so yeah i believe that was what it used to be so so that rules i'm pretty sure we can all agree on is trash absolutely um the clone rule got some very specific problems when it comes to commander um, one of them, it has to do with, um, Consecrated Sphinx in our playgroup. Oh, that was horrible. When oh your opponents God. draw a card, Consecrated, Consecrated Sphinx, like, you can draw two cards for, for each card they drew. Mm. But if two players have Consecrated Sphinx, or if one person clones a Consecrated Sphinx, um, then... Those two players can draw pretty much their entire deck searching for a combo. With the commander rule the way it was, the, the legend rule being that, like, if you clone a commander, it counts as a kill spell. There can only be one, um, there can only be one commander with that name in play at a time. It, it was terrible. Like, pretty much every blue deck ran a bunch of clones. clones because yeah. either they could clone some really good creature, they could be used to kill a commander, or, as we already talked about with Consecrated Sphinx, they could draw both you and the other player's whole deck until you get into some weird combo war between counter spells and uh, comboing out first. I believe that card was our first house rule. Our, <laughs> our first house ban, yeah. I don't even think we banned it. I think we banned no, no, it. No, no, I mean, the, could... the rule was we could not draw off of someone else's consecrated sphinx draws. Ah, right, yes. Yeah. Like, uh, the, yeah, it was, we were, that was ludicrous. Because, like, everyone was playing clones, including me. Because I was like, if I if I could. Not nearly could, enough. Not nearly enough. <laughs> uh, I probably may play more clones now than I did <laughs> back then. <laughs> And so, so in addition to killing you, people's commanders, like there are also certain cards that were super problematic. So one of the ones we've mentioned, I think already, is Magister Sphinx, which just which is fine now. Seven costs, Esper colors. It sets someone's opponent's life total to ten. It can also be used to raise your life total to ten if you're below that. But there were so many games that were decided by just someone cloning Magister Sphinx like a bunch of times. And everybody else's life total was just set to 10. So clones really ruled the day back when I think the legend rule was like... When you were so incentivized to play them. Yeah. They really warped how the format was shaped, at least in our play group. Mm. Well, especially back then, like... Yeah, I really hated Thrun Standard. Which is, which is, Just as an aside here. Yeah. the last troll. <laughs> Fuck that guy. It, that's, that, I can't imagine dealing with it now. That is... That oh, is, he, he, what? That is like 90% of the reason I love the clone roll is because I did not play Thrun. So you could kill, kill someone's Thrun. <laughs> yes. 
Magic was so weird back like, then. Oh. You, you, you couldn't kill him if you didn't play, like... I don't even know how you ki- how you would kill yeah kill him nowadays like you'd have to you'd have to have a board you have a board wipe board. that gets past regenerate <laughs> yeah like, they don't print those they, not anymore no but like well, yeah. stuff, you just exile the table you exile the board annihilate and, and I mean like you, you give could, something get something that removes hexproof he was usually yeah. a sideboard card it's like <laughs> uh, whatever spotlight there yeah, yeah glaring spotlight <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly um but yeah legend legend rule for the better for the health of the format. Uh, finally, uh, one of the more recent changes, uh, le- the legend dying rule, where that when your commander dies, it, it, it counts as a death, and then it goes back to the command zone. But what, what do you got to say, Derek? I really like this change. This was a, a change that really brought what was happening in the game into in line with what expectations were. Like, it, you see the... Death Trigger, Kamigawa, original Kamigawa Dragons. Yep. Uh, uh, Child of Alara. Child of Alara. All these kinds of cards that have Ro-esque. really interesting effects that apply on death that just didn't actually function in Commander without going through weird reanimation like loops and... and jumps. Just bringing it, the solution that they came up with of it changing zone into exile or into the graveyard sets up a one-time option to move it into the command zone is just such an elegant solution to a problem that a lot of people didn't were already playing as if it worked that way. Like when, when you bring the game into line with that, with how people expect the game to play and already are playing it, I think that's a good decision. Yeah. I feel like this is a funny rule because depending on what commanders were being played in your playgroup, this matters or it doesn't matter at all. At all, all. yeah. yeah. Um, I, I Like Derek was saying... I, I do like the fact that some commanders are now playable when their effects just really wouldn't have worked before. So I think it's a good change, but I find it hilarious that of all the changes we've talked about so far, I think this one, at least in our playgroup, might have been the least noticeable. Probably a unanimously. Like, yeah, uh, for honest, us, like, honestly, I didn't probably know for the better was right? a change until looking <laughs> at <laughs> you know, the questions there. I was like, oh, huh. Never came Never up. Never came <laughs> up, yeah. Um... Like I'm your, pretty, like, I don't know, like, I'm saying, your new Carmela deck that you just made that I'm staring at right now <laughs> works because of that rule change. What? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what you talking about? No, okay, so... <laughs> I want to say, like, impartial to it. It, it didn't really... But, like, I kind of came around to, like, Derek's thinking of it, which is the judge and him talking partially. <laughs> uh, in that there were a few creatures that I thought would be good commanders... That didn't work how they were supposed to work because they didn't like they didn't, didn't see the they didn't see the graveyard. Put them in the graveyard and keep them so there the and one be like, the one it. that I instantly thought of and I tried to like then like I originally wanted to build this as a commander and it like didn't work was Alenda the Duskrows. Yes, <laughs> because yeah. she didn't make any tokens because she didn't see the graveyard. So even like. I mean, that's a somewhat old card, I guess, nowadays. Yeah, the last <laughs> few years, but yeah. yeah. But, so, like, there's a few cards like that that are now... And it opens up a lot more options, I feel. And, like, yeah, like, how you think cards should work, they kind of work more in line with how you think they should work, yeah. Yeah, I would say that makes sense. Like, So, the- yeah, originally, it's like impartial, I'm like, sure, whatever. But, like, I've, I've seen, like, a few <clears throat> more pathways and more, like commanders that are seeing play that like make more sense and like i'm all for like 
increasing the diversity of the format. Yeah, uh, which so, is and, yeah, that's yeah. another question that that'll be coming up in a bit. Um, but yeah, like I, I would definitely say, like out of all these rules, like that were part of the commander rule set, or they were part of like the game of Magic itself, like the commander rules change is just. A sweet change and enables like it brings a lot of other cards to the forefront that people were like oh i don't know if this works now and it's like now they're like oh sweet this actually works this is exactly what i wanted and makes deck building and certain strategies like you don't have to have the redundancy of like oh no my green blue roll esque has to go to the graveyard and i have to regrow it or whatever <laughs> now it's just it goes it goes back to your deck you're like cool it goes back to your end zone you're like sweet that's what i wanted but now people like, do that. They printed it as a legendary creature. You'd think that they had like an idea that if you were to make of your commander, like you'd want it to do what you think it should do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I may be misremembering, but I think some people on the commander like rules committee thought it worked that way already. Probably. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. Just kind of an overlook. It wasn't done until recently. Well, uh, I'm sure the Hey, and you know what? Now they got the keg, so I mean, yeah. now a lot of information is being witnessed at once. So like, yeah. who, and who knows? And who knows what other changes might occur? Um, yeah, yeah. I'd say, generally speaking, the rules changes they've made over the years have improved the game. Yeah, hmm. by and large. Yeah, yeah. there's like, a, there's a couple weird ones. Like when they changed, uh, instead of redirecting the planeswalkers, and they like. Errated cards, kind of, and you never know which ones are actually. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, like the, Oh, a tar any target, was... any target, two target planeswalker or player or, or like whatever, right? That's a little confusing. Or yeah, or something that used to just target a player, but now targets, targets planeswalker planeswalkers or player. Or player yeah. yeah. So, so I think Marath is a commander that can target creatures or players and has been errated to also planeswalkers, mm -hmm. which is annoying. So. And likely to pop up in some commander games. So I, I, I do find it's really confusing that you have to look up the Oracle text to see which ones they've changed for that. In defense of Marath, Will of the Wild, it already had Narada. <laughs> X can't be zero, baby. <laughs> so you're saying they kind of messed them up twice. This was really... <laughs> Yeah. Um, there was a thought there and they just hadn't yeah. fully fleshed it out and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The, the judge in me is saying always look at the oracle text to figure out what your card does but yes it, that was a massive rule update oracle text update when they removed the planeswalker redirection rule that largely is intuitive something like lightning bolt just says, now it just says any target instead of listing out creature player and planeswalker it and then, mostly and then, makes sense. And then there's the newer, at least there's some newer cards that are like, you could only target creatures or planeswalkers. Yeah. And it has the text that says that. Yeah. So it's That's less confusing. The worst card, and somebody will have to look it up Searing Blaze. Why? Oh. It has some of the most awful, wordy oracle text shenanigans to line up with rules as written now. 
And is a card that sees play. And is a card that sees play. <laughs> oh god, Searing Blaze deals one damage to target player or planeswalker, and one damage to target creature that player or that planeswalker's controller controls. <laughs> Absolutely fucking not. Get this trash out of here. And then it updates to three damage. So yeah, that could definitely be like streamlined uh, a bit. Um, but everyone feel, feels pretty good for those set of questions. Yeah. Moving to the next one. Um, this one is a bit different uh, because we are a curated pod. We've known each other for quite a long time. We we have our tells. We have our history. So it's pretty easy to navigate a lot of these issues that some other people might not. Um, but what are thoughts on... Uh, the commander rule, like the rules committee's stance on rule zero or pre-game discussions, um, like what are the te- types of decks that we're going to play? What are our goals? How long? Like, you know, we're no longer asking about a is your deck a seven when everyone's sevens are different compared to like having a conversation with the table of like what your goal and intents are, and like you know, do you are you going to win turn five or are you going to win turn ten? You know, like. Or are you going to omit information to surprise people? Like, what, what do you think of that type of discussion? I, I don't think we have ever really needed to. We have to we have it. not no, needed to do. Our, our group never really needed to because we all kind of grew our decks together, so it was always an arm, a bit the of an internal arm arms race. Yes. I, the one thing I will say is that there have been times where I've asked Chris to change things. <laughs> the most recent one was Chatterfang. Who was really the fake commander? And because, like, he secret, won the game. Secret commander, Belladros Witherbloom. <laughs> by, like, casting Belladros Witherbloom or bringing him back from the graveyard, like, five or six times. She's so strong. This way you go to exile her. Not my fault. <laughs> so, and, you tutored for, like, every game. And, and also, yeah. animated her. <laughs> and and yeah, every de- time he plays that deck, he has many tutors to search for it. So the so the win strategy was always get Witherbloom, win game somehow. It wasn't versatile. So every time it felt like he were getting it was too predictable. Beat by this very same strategy, and it just felt terrible. <laughs> Which is something that does happen because like. This will kind of go into other things, too, of, like, you know, when you build your deck, what is your intention, right? I try to build, I try to put in as few tutors in most of my decks as possible to prevent that, to prevent the decrease in verity, or variation, like, to make it as super predictable as possible. I find that absolutely boring. Fuck you, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... I play the deck like twice ever, to be fair, and I just And then you, you you baited us by being like, I'm gonna put more tutors in this deck. Ho <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Alright, so I think, I think as as far as a deck builder, I know you, Cole, and Derek can build decks way faster than I can. I cannot build a deck in anything probably under like four or five hours. I'm like, okay, ve- yeah. I'm like very methodical. Doesn't mean they turn out like how I want them to, <laughs> but it means like I will sit and stare at like the last three cards and like grind over them for an hour, yeah. right? Um, gen- so, but yeah, so, you know, mistakes happen sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> In- um, inadvertent wins or <laughs> wow. Well, I can tell you that is the most tutors I've played in a deck ever. <laughs> um, how many? How many are in the deck? 
five? To all of them. <laughs> okay, maybe, I mean, maybe, like, maybe six. I can't remember. The problem is, this so, is like those thing, those six tutors are whatever are just second of whatever card that you're going to be. Looking I, at. Thought, I think we counted six tutors and six ways to reanimate too. That I thought the deck was it. too weak. That's actually why I put them in. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, his creep. I'm like, why does creep just kind of like don't do stuff? I'm like, I need to be like a little more in multiple ways because I didn't draw. No more Bellatrix. <laughs> a little more uh, Wither Bloomy. <laughs> a little more, mm, yeah. And like, I didn't realize that I would get her every time until I played the deck, and I realized I should get her every time. Uh, <laughs> oh, there was a few like eight, seven, eight drops in the deck. There was the Treasure Dragon. I'm like, that guy's pretty good. Oh, old Knobbone, yeah. She's but he is nowhere nuts. near as good so, as, no. <laughs> as Bellatrix Wither Bloom. As far as finishers, it really just seemed to be old Knobbone and Bellatrix Old Knobbone and Bellatrix No, there's others in there. Oh, God. Give me a break. Uh, I didn't there is see them. More expensive slash different uh, Crater Hoof Behemoth. The one from More the, the Spark. The Boar? No, the one from More the Spark. The, yeah. And Race Forerunners? And Race Forerunners. No, no, no. no. Oh, you're talking the about the ones. The spell. The X spell. Oh, uh, 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 something of finale, finale of devastation. Finale of devastation. Yes, I own that, but not Crater of Behemoth. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, Jacob, you're probably the only person besides me who has like played with a lot more people now in the last few years. Like you, what? <laughs> the guy who lives in another continent probably does the well, same. I don't know. I, okay, <laughs> excuse me. I mean, you did mention your LGS. I apologize for that. Yeah, he's playing Legacy. Yeah. He's playing Vintage. Oh, oh, yeah. They're, all sure. yeah, they're, yeah. they're old school. Now. I apologize. <laughs> but oh, on to that point there. Yeah, like, uh, and I'm, I'm never a big fan of like really in-depth rule zero discussions. I think it really depends what you're going there for. If you're going there for some sort of competition, well, no. Well, there shouldn't be any kind of rule zeros what to expect. You just bring your best thing that wins the best, mm -hmm. and you beat them with it until they can't move anymore. <laughs> that's that's the general CDH yes. mentality of, of it, like whatever you want to consider like CDH, yeah. of, like the most like your turn one, turn two win kind of thing, mm -hmm. compared to like a highly optimized list. Like exactly and like four or five but if yeah. you're if you're sitting down with people and you're gonna play four or five games with the same group like the groups other groups that i've played with generally the only kind of conversation you have about it is are we going for combo wins or are we going for not combo wins and that's really all it comes down to it and usually it'll be like of the four games or whatever it'll be one game where it's try and get your combo that wins and the other three are okay let's use the other decks that are a little more fun and ramp up and make for what I think are kind of better feeling games where even if you get beaten badly, you come out of it going, well, that was fun. Yeah. Something along the lines of battle cruiser magic. Yes. Uh, I do big thing. You do big thing. We keep doing big thing until smash. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're like, uh, I don't play. Shifty, battle cruiser. Contrary to what you think of me, uh, I, I've always thought of Commander as a format where you get to play all the cards that look fun, but just don't fit into, like, a constructed yeah. format. Yeah. And with that deck that you guys keep hounding me about, <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I had never played Belgius with Boom before in any deck ever. <laughs> so I thought it'd be fun to play. Yes, okay? it is. And to be fair, with, with that card, it is one of those cards, you when you first kind of take a look, you're like, oh yeah, that's pretty good. And then you actually get it out and you start... Using it, it's like, oh, this is extremely broken. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Get out of well, here. Well, not broken, but yeah, it, it gets out of hand. In chatter, yeah. In chatter, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was 
So much value. Yes, <laughs> I, all I, the value. I take ten life and untap my lands. Right. <laughs> and do more than I could. And, okay, yeah, no. <laughs> and then I do it on your turn. No, I think you guys, Why? Were, I think you guys were more salty because that deck played uh, both um, the ones that make you sack everything. Grave Pack? Grave Pack and the other one. Dictator. Yeah, that's As they're all going through it. Yeah. And also the squirrels can just be sacked by Chatterfang. Oh. Yeah, that was... To also kill things. To also kill things, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Chatterfang and... Yeah. What, what, I'm, what I think we're getting at is that the deck is actually quite good and well-rounded, but it just lacked finishers, so it took too long to <laughs> kill you is one of my issues that I will kind of want... Like, if we were to sit down with a new playgroup, I would probably have a rules discussion about, if you're going to take a 10-minute turn, <laughs> please kill with me it. with it. <laughs> Don't make me have to sit through those back-to-back. That deck was supposed to be a Squirrel Tribal deck? Yeah, bull, bullshit. And then I realized that it absolutely does not need to be a Squirrel Tribal deck at all, and I removed all the squirrels. <laughs> And replace it, or replace it with, dragons. with dragons. The ebb and flow of deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a bunch of the cards from Modern Horizons two. There's some squirrels in there. Yeah, yeah. There and are. I'm like, this seems like a pretty good card. No, you just <laughs> you just jam like all the dragons and stuff. Yep. Dis- and ways to cheat them out and also revive them and yeah, and then he'll and then Chad will take care of the rest. He does his thing. Yeah. Don't um, worry, he's got this. I think, for the sake of time, and because everyone was still kind of iffy on it, I'm gonna I'm gonna not ask the the what's your favorite legendary creature in the last two to three years because there's a lot of them, and some of you are like, eh. That so might, that might take a while. I yeah. So, that. Um, next question: thoughts on treasure, goad, and the enormous amount of legendary creatures that are pretty much released every set. Uh, what are our general thoughts on? the increase amounts of, of these effects and or creatures. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> in, in short, uh, yeah. I can explain. So Just leave it at love it, love it, love yes. it. Okay, yeah, well, you, good... can, you guys can explain wh- why I'm right. Okay, okay. Uh, Jake. <laughs> you can all agree with me and continue on to why I'm correct. Um, yeah, like, I, I'm a big fan of all three of those, too, as well. It's, like, treasure gives kind of a a secondary way of ramping without relying on the same four or five ramp spells in every deck or the same, like, uh, mana rocks and this, that, and the other. It's another way of getting what you need. And especially with more... Like, the more colors you have in a deck, obviously, if you can get your treasure yeah, you want that out, mana. Yeah, yeah you, you need that mana, and you can get things going quicker, and you're not going to run into as many games where you're sitting there with... Your hand is full of red cards, and all you have is black mana or something like that. You're gonna be able to play things more, and everything's yeah. gonna. Tre- treasures, up. treasures fixing has probably like, I know a lot of people are having complaints about it, but it's just like it just enays more <laughs> plays if you are playing like more than two colors. Like you hit yeah. three, four, or five color, you're like, I probably might want just a few treasures <laughs> around, even uh, though. It, it's probably yeah. like, but as, as yeah. for like uh, goad, I really like the mechanic. It's quite fun. It you moves can, the game you, forward. Well, it moves the game forward, and it kind of forces people away from having a pillow forward. It's like no, no, that has to come out and hit something, and then it dies, and you can deal with it that way. And it's another. It's kind of a pseudo removal of certain things, or a pseudo way of not being attacked. Yeah, depending on how you play it. And then um, the, the as, legends. As for legends, 
I'm going to be a big fan of more Legends because more Legends is more different decks and more different decks is more fun ways to play. It's bad to only see the same decks at yeah. the table. Yeah. It's, all right, we all have the same commander, and we all built it the same. Let's see who can do it the best first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Derek? Yeah, I, like everybody else here, am a big fan of Goad in the format and an increase in the number of Legends. As selfishly as somebody who's trying to com- like complete out sets <laughs> as they're coming out, there's just so bloody many cards right now. It... It's hard to keep up, but I recognize that that's a me problem and not a format problem, <laughs> so that's beside it. They've printed like the four other different hand, versions of this one thing, and I need all of them. Yeah, there's like four different versions of a lot of legends in each set. Yeah. There's regular, usually a showcase, extended, an extended art, art, and like a alternate art. version, and yeah. sometimes an alt art. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, there's like three different versions of each Planeswalker now. Uh, pretty much, yeah, walk. usually. But treasure. <laughs> I... I am not quite. A, I am not as much a fan, I think, as the rest of the playgroup here on <laughs> uh, treasure being the, the the second coming for uh, <laughs> the commander. It's the the ramp that we never knew we needed uh, and probably don't. <laughs> I I think that both like getting free lotus petals on spells just seems a bit much to me. If treasures were somehow restricted on what color they could produce so that it wasn't both ramping you and fixing your color as an additional tack on to a lot of spells, I think something like that might be a happier in-between for me, but I recognize that that's likely not a direction that we're going to go, and they're going to print more and more spells that make treasures, and that's just something that I'm going to have to build with keeping it in mind, pack more Viridian Revels, and Fangren Marauders to just gain life and draw cards as my opponent's having fun over there. <laughs> oh, so you made 20 treasures and you cracked all of them? No. Sweet. Yeah, Derek Salty, he wants Ethereum cells back. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, no, everybody remembers it was gold because you didn't need it to It was tap. originally That is true. Gold. Yeah, right. it is yeah. gold. So you could tap that artifact for something and then sack it for mana. Yeah. But there were also only two spells ever that made gold. Guild? And King Makar. Yes. King, King Makar. And then uh, the, the Red Curse. Makes gold? It makes gold. Yeah, is it? Why do you think that card is so expensive? Uh, a curse of opulence makes I it, gold. I thought it made treasures. No, oh, it's actually crazy. Mind blown. Mind blown. Yeah. No. So, uh, oh yeah, cool. Quick question: yeah. Do you think it's weird if someone yeah, likes so named the fact gold? that treasures exist on format, but doesn't necessarily like mana rocks being like very pervasive in Commander? Yes. Yes. No, that, no, no, no. I, I kind of don't like mana rocks. But I like treasure. Okay, yeah. so like this is because the, this... treasure sacks. Yes, it's, it's, not, it's, it's, a, it's a finite it's resource. Half a ramp. Yes. <laughs> so this is the thing. Um, Commander has gotten faster, way faster than what we were used to back like five years ago plus. Right? Like it is a different beast. People are putting in a lot more two mana value rocks because they've been printing a lot more of them. Um, and it just makes you 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 know you hit your turn two play and you're playing something on turn three for four or whatever right like your deck runs smoother yeah. you often hit your commander faster like you know so there, there's a lot of reasons like why it gets faster like that way and like I can definitely see enjoying like 
if two mana like you know they're reprinting the talismans every once in a while they still did a reprint um the white blue one i think because i think that one is like the most expensive one because it has the original yeah, that's from the original cycle. I've seen that one. Oh, boy. Yeah, they've reprinted the the Rakdos one twice now already, and that you know, cool, great. Rakdos now is the one. But the point is, like, they they printed Arcane Signet, and everyone's like, oh wait, like I don't if I'm not in green, I don't need to play Farseek, and I don't, three wishes or um, what's another thing? Damage reach. Sure. Yeah. Like whatever. Like whatever. Yeah, right. Like they have alternatives, there. but the alternatives of like. Suddenly, all your your two mana value slot is just dedicated to mana rocks. You're like, yeah, which I don't super like. No. Like, and the, um, and the thing is, designs have changed for mana rocks for the last few years because the two mana rocks usually are not able to do anything else beyond generating some kind of mana. So I, if you get that turn eight and you draw that mana rock, you draw Arcane Signet, you're like, well, fuck. But if you drew the three mana rock, that does. Sacks or something. Cards or something like we we have we're nearly having a full design cycle of three mana rocks that are dedicated to a certain color that have additional effects. Mm-hmm. So we have we have uh, the blue one that midnight clock midnight clock that over time can can love midnight really clock. midnight clock is sweet. Cursed mirror also sweet. Oh. You just like it's a clone when it comes out and then it's a mana rock afterward. Black one that's like crypt of something. Uh, yeah, you yeah. create creates zombie. You every time something dies, you're putting a corpse counter on it, and then you, and then pay, you can I think six and sack it to make to that make, many zombies. You make that many zombies that have to like, pay. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. like that's super sweet because that 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 is a resource that you are currently working towards over the course of the game. Mm-hmm. And that was a great. I think that was a great thing for the Wilhelm deck. Like the Wilhelm deck absolutely freaking adores that. Green doesn't have one yet. Green also does not need. One. <laughs> To be fair, yeah, they can they can wrap the normal way. Yeah, it's, so, it's just I don't want so many dedicated slots for just things that are boring. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that's my problem <laughs> with treasures. Is I feel like on their own they kind of seem a little bit boring to me. It's like for one turn you have more mana. Yeah, but like at I, least they usually tack it on something that is fun. It's still a design choice that you're playing I, the card for like its other abilities as well. I, yeah. I I would just say that I'm kind of getting bored of treasure cards, and I'm always more excited for if the treasure card does something else as well. That's what makes me excited. Of course, not the fact that it makes treasure. Yeah. Um, well, and, well, I mean, case in case in point. Although the card is still like, what the heck were they thinking? Professional Facebreaker. Oh, yeah. Which is a fantastic mm-hmm. card in red. You jam it in everything. You attack everyone, you get three treasures. Cool, whatever, right? But the fact that you can sacrifice treasures specifically to get card advantage in red, like, yeah. that's another outlet, sure. And it's kind of annoying because of how obscene treasure generation is that you're just like, yes, I impulse for 10. Like, who cares? So, and this is, again, my problem with treasures is that, like, if we keep printing them, cards are going to continue to get more obscene in, like, the extended formats. Yeah. But, including Commander. But in Standard, it might always be a nice amount in Standard. Um, so it's it's actually becomes an interesting problematic design that the more cool ways we have to interact with treasures, the more likely it's going to get, like, busted over time. So I'm yeah. actually kind of slightly afraid of the way they're going with treasures at the moment. Well, the other thing too is we're we're currently two sets back to back, and one of them is a supplementary set where it's just treasures. We go from New Capenna to yeah. Battle for Baldur's Gate, and it's just treasures out the wazoo. We also have Goad. 
that's a whole other thing. <laughs> we all agree. Yeah, goat, goat is unanimously I like goat. goat. <laughs> I, I, the one thing I'll say is goat is getting so much better than it was before. It almost was exclusively red and only on the very rare cards. And now, and and now it it's in band. That it didn't really feel like a mechanic. Seth, <laughs> Seth I think it's the... Um, it was... The red guys would just make you angry or something for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And they had like disrupt decorum. To, I think it was goad everything. Yeah, yeah disrupt decorum. Yeah, yeah. uh, they printed Carter Doom Scourge, yeah. which like it's not goad, but it's basically goad player, which yeah. is like that sweet. So, so I, I think it's about time goad actually is seen in other colors and that there is a bit more support for it. Mm. I think it was absolutely trash before and finally it's starting to look fun. Yeah, to it, was, it was kind of a secondary point where it's like, oh, hey, I, if I get this one card in my deck off that goads something, it could be quite funny, but like, now it could actually be a solid mechanic throughout your deck. Like, I think there were the occasional commander that had, like, goad-esque effects. Mm. I think there was the Red White Angel that you could not do stuff during your combat. Aurelia. Mm. Well, no, Aurelia was... No, um... Like... <laughs> what was her name? It's a 4-4. Four, four. No, it's a... F- oh, it's, it's a 5-mana 4-4. Four, four. Basantra battling... Battleseraph. Battleseraph. Yeah. yeah, like, that was one of the coolest things, in my opinion. Like, that well, you could kind you, of goat-esque, but... Well, and the other thing, too, that they improved on Basandra with, um... It was a Nia legend. It was Larisil. Oh, sorry, uh, Breaker of the Claw. It... Oh, jeez, Mauricio. Mauricio. Yeah. Mar- it was Mauricio. Yes. Jeez. I know. <laughs> so, Mar- w- yeah, listen, we're Gadwick also Gadwick and Gadwick and Gadwick and Gadrick and Vadrick and Vadrock and we're getting so. I mean, I all recognize those as different cards. <laughs> that means <laughs> you know those are. Do you know what those same. colors are in that order? Gadwick's the blue wizard. Yeah. Badrock is the blue, red, white mutate guy. Right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What's the other one? Va- there's Va- uh, There's Vadrick. Okay, I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> that was the one I played earlier. That was the one he played yeah. earlier. Red, blue, red. Blue, guy red. That goes night and then day, nature spells. Gad- and Gad- makes some cheap spells less, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's the guy in the Innistrad set, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, was it Innistrad? And then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was my hand. So, so weirdly enough for me, I like Goad because Goad feels like a still new or underexplored design space. When I feel like Treasures is like a very easy to break design yes. space, and the more they print them, the more I'm likely to just see treasure artifact combo decks and stuff. I, they pretty much already exist, but and, yeah. And, and, and this is my. Problem. I think we'll tone it down a little bit after yeah. this set. Like they're just blasting us with it, and I think we'll. Yeah, that's the new. I, mean, I like thing. I, I like treasures. Like, well. I, I do not want it to be a ubiquitous mechanic in every set, though. And yeah, no, I think I think considering new Capenna made sense and the Dungeons Dragon set makes sense. Yeah, it's just that they happen to be back to back. They're all like, oh no. So the fatigue of, of that at least makes sense. Sure. Um, but the numerous legends, Tommy. Yeah, you're like sweet. Yeah. Don't know what half of them do, but more fun things to see at a table and to build decks around. I, I, it's probably very rare to see a commander player complain about there being a lot of legends getting printed. Because I, I've heard the sentiment. Like there are some people that are like, there are too many new creatures in the set. It's like we, but most people probably won't be able to play half of them. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Audric Blood Curse came out. I was, I <laughs> and the the small Bloodric like fan club was like this card is sweet and everyone's like this card is trash it's like you shut your mouth shut, that's my boy mouth. <laughs> I mean, yeah. not yes a, not but, but like not everyone is going to play Audric Bloodcrust no. the same way a lot of people are going to play Chatterfang because Chatterfang is freaking sweet and 
This is why I think, like, just a lot of commanders and a lot of legends is good for, like, the health of the game. Because different play styles appeal to different people. So exactly. Like, there, there's bound to be some, like, weird eclectic ones that, for some reason, you are drawn to. And everyone else at your table will kind of appreciate seeing something new. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Nor in the wary. No. I'm out I'm out of here. See you later. No rip. Um, finally to kind of just wrap everything up, kind of as a, a reflection of uh, us playing together for like the last eleven years or so. Uh, things we think we've improved upon as players from what we started playing to where we are now. Uh, that's the hardest question. That is yeah. the hardest question. That's a weird one. That is admittedly a weird one. I, I don't know. Maybe ask other people what they think. Because I don't know if I can, like... Like, oh, were you always just a good player, Chris? I'm still not a good player. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, we're on the opposite end of that spectrum. I, I think it's very easy to just say deck building because, oh boy, was I trash before. We've oh. talked about the 36 drops. <laughs> if I put about, all my biggest stuff, nobody can beat me. <laughs> we've talked about the no ramp and just praying that you get to late yeah. game. Um, so it's it's very easy for me to, like, if you go on, like, the very big scale... Um, my, my deck building has gotten slightly better, <laughs> but even then there's so much I, I can improve in and I consider myself to be one of the worst deck builders in the group, um, because I just rely a lot on late game bombs still. It's just not a longer 30. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe argue for 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, will, I will still play We've cut back. <laughs> for me, I know my rule knowledge has significantly improved from my early days of playing magic in a tent and getting into an argument with somebody who was attacking with a gust cloak savior that could remove itself from combat and i was trying to kill it with something that destroyed an attacking creature oh, it was my very God. much i destroy your attacking creature and they're like i remove it from combat well then i don't destroy your attacking <laughs> creature but that's not how this works, and we just didn't have the language to figure out <laughs> and that's why, why this was and wrong. And that's yeah. why you became a judge. And that's yeah. why I became a judge. <laughs> well, that, that goes into mine. My big one, I would think, was just, yeah, like a bit of our deck building and kind of learning that, hey, maybe the biggest, strongest thing or the thing with the most broken ability, maybe that's not... You shouldn't just have a deck that's full of all those. Maybe it needs a little bit of support. And then, yep. yeah, like things like the stack and learning, okay, well, once this has happened... You can't go back on it. You can't go back around to do something that's like, yeah, for d- doing something after like that, where you're trying to remove something that's been not removed, and then you're going back. Well, I'm not actually going to do that if that's going to work, and da 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 da. And even still, like we had a couple times today where it's like, well, I'm going to do this. Well, that doesn't work at all. Like playing the, um, what was it, the your Hanada deck. And I had the X spell. And it's oh, like, oh, right, well, yeah. actually, if I play that and I have to target three you things, need two more well, then now I can't do that. Can't do it, and now yeah. it's useless. And, da, 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 and you're just going all the way back around. But uh, yeah, definitely still something we're improving on. But our games are definitely a lot more. Uh, they would look a lot better to a bystander now yeah. than they would years and years ago. I, uh. I think my thing is is being able to recognize, like, I guess my threat assessment has gotten better marginally. Um, I'm able, like, I've been, I was, you know, I also probably pack, I probably pack more interaction on, uh, on average uh, than what I used to. Like, I used to go completely all in on creatures, and even in some of my creature decks now that are still pretty high saturation, like 25, 30 creatures out of the deck, like, I still have 
interaction more than I would have used to. Once upon a time, I think the most cold card I could think of was like Shamanic Revelation because he played so many creatures, it drew him <laughs> so many cards, and like gained him so much life that it was like in every single cold deck. I do not play Shamanic Revelation as much. <laughs> I would still like to, though. <laughs> that card is sweet. Now that you mention it, but now that you mention it, 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 my it, needs, it needs to go back in. But... <laughs> Alright, well, now that I have more time to think about it, uh, I guess for me, it's playing different colors that I didn't really you, you, play yeah, a yeah, little yeah. bit. Yeah. Oh, pretty, I, play, like, I play more blue now than I ever have. I'm definitely, I didn't play blue for the first like, five yeah, years. Jacob, Jacob yeah. you, you moved away to an isolated island and... and, and started playing and started That's playing, just kind of started, how that works. It was just, you're like, hmm, the sea is pretty cool. Just like Tommy has to move to a mountain, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I still have to argue with that one. I don't know. Um, I, think I don't. I, whoever moved to a swamp, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to a bog. I, I can go to the Scottish Moors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Someone on the plains. <laughs> <laughs> guess I gotta move. To, go guess to I gotta move to Saskatchewan. I, I, don't I think know. that's my least played color now. Maybe. <laughs> that's funny say. because in the beginning, I think you were very white, blue, black. Now blue, black, white. <laughs> yeah. Yes, those are yeah, two in, entirely in, different. In, things. In, they, they are, are. The, the order change. I would say that I. Uh, I used to be a very dedicated green player, yes. and now I'm a red player. Because <laughs> um, red got way better the last few years. <laughs> I think the one of the things that I learned in our playgroup was one of my earliest decks was Kalia of the Vast, which cheats in big, scary, threatening things and depletes like hand resources usually quite fast. Yep. Um, so... And because you're a faster deck, quite often people at the table will target you first. They'll be like, I gotta destroy and deal with your threats. Um, I, I call this like making yourself like public enemy. and The arch enemy, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's usually something really bad to do early on in the game where people still have full hands filled with like resources and, and answers. And yeah. answers. But so one of the best strategies i've learned over time is underwhelming you do not as good you don't want to be the fastest one out of the gates what or don't okay (laughs) you don't want to be the fastest one out of the gates you want to like slowly ramp up and become an enemy after people have already destroyed some things use some of their answers like I, I, I think... I'm still too impulsive. Oh, I was going to say, I'm also on the other side there where sometimes like that can be good, but there's other games where if you can get somebody on their back foot early on, they can't really recover as long as you can keep that tempo up. I, I, I think this strategy is very important how many number of players are in the game. One-on-one, you just want to blitz out the gate. You yes. want to crush them. But Redick, in a big Redick multiplayer game, I think... It, it, the underwhelming strategy starts to be a little bit more valuable because even when we talk about attacking people with creatures, you're probably trying to kill the biggest threat at the table first. Do you? Well, but then and the lesser like, threats the... tend to stick around a bit longer or yeah. get a couple more turns to like survive. But on the flip side, there, like look at a deck like my Edgar Markov deck. That, uh, that it, is public enemy you, number yes. one before the game even starts. But that's <laughs> the other one, though. If you slow that deck down at any point you're done. You never catch back up again. But if you can keep that tempo up, you can... Like I, when I was playing against you guys, and it was just... I was lucky off the first ones, and everything kind of worked into each other. 
and I could keep that tempo up, and it couldn't. There wasn't a single threat you could remove, and you didn't get the right draws, and kept th- you on the back foot the whole time. I think this is a good point of something to that you can learn to is that certain commanders will have certain playstyles. Yes. Yes. And will anger a table just upon so, yes, just, so, just so because he's there. We we we've been some of us have been calling like some of it is like um I, I call it the loudness factor mm-hmm. of like this is my commander. Everyone's like, oh shit, I already know how it's going to work. And, and that's a good reason why for Edgar Markov you don't want to slow it down because even if you are playing slower and it's it's not that aggressive of an Edgar Markov deck, people will probably think it is. Yes, and, so, and that's the other thing too. It coincides with that rule zero discussion of like, yes, I am playing Edgar Markov. The problem is I don't know how you spin the tale of I'm playing the, a different <laughs> Edgar Markov deck. It has you no don't vampires really... in it. <laughs> like there are certain commanders um, that uh, so like another guest uh, that I found on the show, Lenny. He makes entire articles about building decks that are radically different or with certain restrictions based around really popular, really strong commanders that people are like, whoa. So he plays, the the most famous one I would consider that he has is his Urza's Gumball Machine deck, which it's Urza, which is a busted commander, but all the cards are worth 25 cents or less. And that is his condition. If he can, if, like... Outside of the cards fluctuating in price for whatever dang reason happens, the goal of the deck is the card is 25 cents or less if he can get it for it, and that's nothing more. So it immediately cuts out a lot of the broken stuff that Urza would want, But so, and, and that's what he has to do. He sits down and says, I'm going to play Urza's Gumball Machine. I know what the deck does, so I'm not as worried about it as if someone else was playing a, a different type of Urza deck. So that, that's, the, that's kind of the point where we're at where... The kill on site commanders, you are at least able to say, I am playing it differently. This is what I intend to do. And if people do find that agreeable, they might be able to give you a bit more breathing room. Or some people might not believe you, and that's technically on the individual. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's definitely beneficial for us that we've played together for so long that yeah. we usually know if someone's going to build the deck to the gross level of we have to kill this on site. On occasion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Derek's sitting over the corner, thumbs up, like, I, I have done that. As a matter of fact, I'm the guy. <laughs> Earl the Mist Stalker. Earl the Mist Stalker. My taste of deck was pretty potent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was Taste of 1.0, right? Yeah. Yeah. Taste of 1.0. That was like CMC 3 or less, as much combo redundant, redundancy, anime dead, Leonin Relic Order, oh my God. Darkest Hour, Sacrifice Combos. It was a good time. <laughs> For you. For me. <laughs> yeah. So this is... Th- so, like, yeah. Like, having a, a curator, curated pod of, of people that you've trusted for, whether it be short-term or long-term, in our case, really long-term, like, we're pretty lucky because we don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. So people don't have that luxury. True. Like, I feel like if you kept on changing playgroups, like, there would constantly be this, like, a feel like you need to adjust your deck to kind of um to the play group like yes different different the, ar- the arms race yeah yeah different different cards different play styles are going to be better against certain play groups um so it's like i don't know if you're in a more competitive edh play group you're gonna want to probably have ways to win in the as quick as possible 
but our playgroup, we tend to win by like turn ten. So like Give we, or take, yeah. We we get away with a lot of a lot of slow play and you can you can adjust your deck builds to that. So it's I don't know. It's it, better than for us at least it's turn ten within an hour and a half compared to turn ten in two and a half hours. Or three hours. Turbo. I don't I don't know if we win by turn ten. We can win by turn mm. ten. It's just well, the rest I, of the table I, I think most it. of our decks have the ability to win by like turn five, but of course. everyone else knows so that. It's, it, well, or it's magic. Pieces, it's, yeah. If it wins, it's magic Christmas land scenario yes. of like, whoops, I won. Not supposed to happen. It will never <laughs> happen again. Um, but I think. Like <laughs> so I think that wraps up the questions. Uh, and so uh, Chris, Jacob, Derek, and, and Tommy, thank you for. Coming in here and, and 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 answering all these questions and being part of the podcast, I've been waiting for this for a really long time, <laughs> um, and it just so happens that we were able to do it in person, so that was freaking sweet. And we apologize for such a long video. <laughs> I do not apologize. I do not. This is uh, <laughs> guess what? It's two nearly two hours. Uh, deal with it. <laughs> it's okay. We we don't have to watch it. So. <laughs> <laughs> True. I have to listen to it at least twice. So anyway, that being said, thanks to anyone who happened to listen to this, uh, and uh, this uh, also, the hey, one year of the podcast. That's where you announced the secret giveaway to anyone who got all the way nope, to two hours? absolutely not. <laughs> you can't, can't throw a bone or something? No, I'll, work, I'll, I'll workshop it. <laughs> maybe, could you, maybe it's a collab for like a future video. Oh, yeah, yeah. That could be a cool one. The first person to tell me is the last word I said. In, 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 in an episode this, you get... I, I'll, I'll figure it out. But anyway, everyone, that is the episode. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next one. <laughs>